All right, so I'm excited. As everybody already knows, we've got Rob Liano joining us today. But just real quick, um, he's one of my closest friends, mentor, really been there for me, not only on the sales front, but also on the mindset, just friendship, relationship. As he already said, brother from another mother, my great friend, Rob Liano. What's going on today, Rob? What is up? Good morning. Oh, I appreciate that. So somebody do a little silent clap. Thank you for that, Deborah. <laughs> yeah. I, don't have, I don't have everyone on the screen yet, so um, I'm trying to figure that one out. But yeah, man, it's great to be here. As I said, I don't know fully what to expect yet. Maybe we'll just take some questions and wing it. But um, if you're going to kick it off, do so. And then I'll jump in and I guess give a little bit of my bio. Or if you want to start with that, you you lead the way, my man. Yeah, man. So uh, we're all telesales beasts here. So uh, let's let's talk about telesales. I know you're a telesales strategist, and uh, for you, uh, why telesales? You know, like what what's been going on with your telesales journey? Yeah, it's an interesting question. So you know, and I'll share with everyone. I started out. I, I was a rock drummer, long hair back in the day. Wanted to be a rock star, um, and I thought music was all I needed until I needed to make some money. So <laughs> my dad said, "Get into sales. You can make as much money as you want." So at 18 years old, I was like, "Yeah, that's awesome," because he sold vacuums. So I started doing that. Except a couple of weeks went by, and I wasn't making any money, which I'm sure some of us could relate to uh, when you first take a sales job. And um, I complained to my dad, which is what anyone would do right at that age. And he, you know, said two things, two questions in a row that at the time were mind blowing. Looking back, very simple and logical. But he said, do you know what you're doing? And I said, no. And he said, then how do you expect to succeed? And it was literally like that. Whoa. Even though it was really simple in its mentality, you know, a lot of us kind of jump into an opportunity and we don't really fully know what it takes to succeed. And we don't embrace that. So I reluctantly started going to the 730 morning meetings because I was a musician. I still don't like getting up early. I'm impressed that all of you are on here at 930 in the morning. <laughs> and some of you are probably on other on other time zones. So that's impressive. <clears throat> I'm still not a morning person. But after starting to attend these meetings, I was able to get into someone's home, you know, do a demo of a vacuum or sell them bags because they already had the same brand or uh, shampoo their carpet, like just all this stuff. It's, I started to be able to, let's say, drum up sales since I'm a drummer. <clears throat> but I didn't care because I still wanted to go on tour, which I did. I wound up going on tour. It was really cool. Got to play on some TV stuff, radio. And here's the game-changing point of my life. I came off tour and almost went bankrupt. Didn't manage my money well enough. Didn't have a job when I got back. And my car literally got repossessed. And it was the epitome of that joke I used to hear back in the day. What do you call a drummer without a girlfriend? homeless. So I was like, that's what I felt like. And I was like, oh man. So I vowed it's never going to happen to me again. And I went back into sales because it was something else that I did well. And I, I probably applied for about 15 jobs. And I took the one where it was selling at the time medical discount plans from protective life insurance. And it was called protective smart health plus it was 2002 all over the phone, like internet leads were brand new. <clears throat> Um, and I eventually got licensed. But here's the interesting thing. The training I received on day one was listen to one of their salespeople from like eight in the morning to noon, go to lunch, come back. And I get handed a, you know, a handwritten script and told, get on the phones. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, I kind of didn't really know anything about the product. Uh, so I struggled through that whole day and still wrote one sale. 
Next day, another like 12 or 14 hour day, wrote one sale. That Tuesday night, I went home and looked up the product on the internet, rewrote the entire presentation because I knew a sales process that worked from doing sales prior. And on Wednesday, I wrote five sales and same thing Thursday, same thing Friday. And then I started teaching other people, you know, that this is the process that works where it's a real a flowing presentation that leads people down the path to make a decision to make a purchase. And then I got my own office and <clears throat> I was told by representatives at uh, United Healthcare, which was golden rule, their under 65 product at the time and Assurant and Humana that my call center had the highest retention of anyone in the country. Now you shouldn't be that impressed because the bar was really low, like cause telephone sales then People lost business like constantly, like, like maybe 30% stayed on the books, but I still took it as a victory. And then they started recommending me to train other call centers and agencies. So I helped one in King of Prussia launch from ground zero to uh, top producer winning the awards in 45 days. <clears throat> I left selling and became a trainer consultant. I was the speaker on the Norvax slash Go Health sales and marketing tour when they were recruiting. And I have most recently worked with Assurance IQ. If you guys don't know them, they got the biggest buyout in the history of insurance over $2.6 billion in just three and a half years. Um, Prudential bought them out. It's an insane story and it's great. And I got to do about a year and a half consulting with them to improve their scripting sales processes, um, help build their transfer agent model. And then most recently, Legends United, I helped build their life division uh, got their CPA down to like two, 250 or 200 a sale. Um, and yeah, I've been very fortunate. Now, and I'm not telling you that at all to impress you because if you want to do it, you could probably do it as well. But I'm telling you to hopefully let you know that I might know a little something, something I could bring to the table when you hit me with your questions. So basically anything in telesales, a sales process, um, retention, uh, get, getting referrals, there, there's a process for everything and everything I think lives or dies on processes. Uh, even lead, following up with leads and stuff, or how you open, how you close. And then I know Jake has probably handled a ton of that, especially since his forte is life. And I'm, I'm more inclined to be called an expert in Medicare supplements and underage. But I also, of course, because it's insurance and a process works, I could probably give a little, little advice on the life side. So uh, that's the journey of how I got here. I'm sorry if that was a little long and stuff, but uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hopefully it was a little entertaining and, and informative. So there you go. But um, Jake, if you do you have a particular question or are you doing yeah, well, questions? Yeah, how do you want to handle it? Something that we'd love to learn more about and uh, we're, we just talked about on Monday is asking for referrals. You know, okay. what's, what's a good system and a process for getting referrals? So there's a couple of mistakes that people make. So let's do that first. Uh, number one, they don't ask at all. Obviously that's a fail. Um, but number two, sometimes they only ask once. And normally it's at the point of sale, meaning you wrote the policy and now you're like, hey, if there's anyone else you know that I could help. Um, I don't think that's a, a great strategy because you should be able to forecast your sales, meaning you could pinpoint if you have a great referral process in place, you can pinpoint when and what percentage of referrals you will get so that you could, of course, chart your income or potential income. Um, but asking at the point of sale, meaning when you first wrote it, that person may not entirely trust you 100%. They might only trust you enough to make the purchase. 
And then you can build and develop and maintain that trust as you go. It's, it's like, it's kind of like a relationship when you're dating the first date, you don't trust them hundred percent, but you go, okay, I'll go on the second date and let's see how this goes. That's kind of how I look at the process of building referrals. So I will normally plant a seed in that I will say, Hey, thank you so much. And yes, if you know anyone that can use my services, I appreciate that. But what works best for me is what I do after the sale. And I call it the hangover. Um, I call everyone when, when I was selling, and this is what I teach everyone. I call everyone the next day after that sales written and say, Hey, just wanted to touch base. You know, you slept on it. Do you have any questions? Because here's what happens when I pulled, actually, let's do it. How do, how do I get you guys full screen here? Let me see if I can change my view. Cause I want to see by a showing of gallery. There we go. Oh, cool. Wow. It's a great, it's a party now. Okay. Um, by a showing of hands, how many of you bought a car? And the next day, the salesperson called you to see how you're doing. One, two, three, four. Okay. Is it a particular brand? I mean, because most of the time comes up like BMW, Mercedes. Uh, sometimes maybe Honda comes up too, I think, because they, they know their stuff. But look at the percentages there. Four people raised their hand. That means that it looks like, what, 80% on this call? The salesperson doesn't care enough about you to call you the next day. Now, how cool would that be if they did to say, hey, you got the car, you have any questions? Did you figure out how to connect your phone, whatever it is? It's the same thing insurance. If you call them the next day, if they have any questions or any concerns, or if someone tried to call them and outsell you, guess what happens? They know you are there for them after you kind of cash the commission check, right? It's after the sale, after you made your money, and that goes a long way. Then after I know the policy gets issued, I call again to tell them, hey, congratulations, policy's issued. You could expect your policy packet in seven to 10 business days or whatever your timeline is, right? Because that's another thing. You don't want anyone ever thinking, well, what happens now? When do I get my policy? Is it going to get approved? You never want that happening because that leads to fear and, you know, what we call, uh, I, what I, I don't like it because it could lead to buyer's remorse, right? That's what it's called, buyer's remorse. And they could figure out, oh, no, who do I call now? They may not even have written down your phone number properly. There's a whole ton of things that can go wrong. So when you call them then and say, okay, good news, it's, it's issued, boom, you now strengthen that relationship another time, right? Because that's two times you've touched them. Then after I know they got their policy within that timeline of hopefully it being mailed out and they get it in time, I call again because guess what? We're in the free look period and we want to make sure that they hold that policy past the free look period. So I will call and say, hey, you got the policy packet. Any questions? Or however they got it. If it was emailed because there are now sometimes it's they could download it on, on the internet. Just want to say any questions. And now... I have developed where agencies will have a team that it's a retention team or retention department. I would assume this would be in your guys' best interest to do it yourselves because you want to really firm up that connection. And now think about what we're doing. Not only are we locking in that client because now we know they're secure or past that free look period. Then we are also developing trust and establishing that you are there for them to then ask for referrals on the next call after the free look period. And then they will trust you 100%. Then you've established that you provide great service and value. And then boom, that's the way it should work the most easiest. You will get some that'll just give them to you. And a lot of salespeople in general, not only insurance, 
are very reactive. Like I'll take it when it comes, but they're not proactive. And that's partly because I noticed that a large percentage have really never been trained or not coached and supported, which I know Jake does. He coaches you up on probably a daily or weekly basis. Um, but a lot of people don't, and they just forget, you know, and if you were, if you weren't taught it to begin with, it's not your fault. If um, you were taught it and you don't do it after this phone call, <laughs> then it's on you, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, but that does that does that make sense to everyone? That's kind of a more better process, and you can go in with more confidence asking for referrals because that's the whole thing for me. Is I want to know that I can get it. I also want to know that I deserve it. And a lot of times we just think, hey, you know, I got your policy. You know, send me over some referrals. But it's it's not really on the end of that, you know. And I also I kind of always look at how I shop. If I buy something right now over the phone, I'm not going to give up my friends and family to you yet. You know, that's the, I, you're right. I love Whitney's just sugar head. No, right. Uh, most of us won't. It's not. We'll be like, now, nah, let me just wait and see if this works. Like, I don't even know if I like the policy, if it comes up that I might need it or whatever it is, or if this car is a clunker or it's not like whatever you want to relate it to in sales. We are probably not sure that we want to give you up to our friends and family or business associates. So, yeah, that for me makes the most sense in looking at it as a defined and a replicable process so that you can repeat it every time. And it really doesn't take that long to make these extra couple of phone calls because it could be just leaving a voicemail, but still them hearing that voicemail, it's gold, man. That makes sense, Jake? Yeah, man. So let's say uh, I want to do that. I want to like that three-step process to get the referrals, but I'm struggling with the mindset of, man, they're going to, uh, have buyer's remorse and then I have to handle that you know we're thinking in the in the fearful mind state so how do we get out of that fearful mind state you know and get get into you know that abundant mindset I know you've helped me out over the last year really go from a scarcity mindset to abundance mindset well I could tell you man, I appreciate that that's cool um, I could tell you your competition is mostly average or sucks entirely have you ever heard people on the phone? Like I, I just did, I mean, and I'm talking about, this is a multi-million dollar agency. I was just reviewing their phone calls and I'm not going to tell you their name, but their intro was when someone, when an agent got a live person on the phone from a transfer, someone who was warmed up and interested in hearing about, a, you know, a final expense quote. They said, so you're looking to buy insurance today and you hear a pause and the person says, no. And then they say, I already have life insurance. So check this out. Statistically, because of what they were saying and putting people on the defensive and creating sales pressure, 85% of everyone on earth has a life insurance policy already. Now you guys sell life. Do you think it's 85% that already have a policy? No, right. They're told, I love it. You guys are all shaking your head. They are lying because you put pressure on them, not you. But that line is like, so you're looking to buy a life policy today? But that's their introduction, man. So that's what your competition's like. So if you are an integrity-based, value-based salesperson, insurance agent, you should already have confidence that you are going to be able to help your and serve your client. Because let me give you a cool little val like a value bomb. I'm a bit of a nerd. I read a lot. I love word etymology and verbiage and the psychological aspects of what we say and how it impacts someone. And the word client, a loose translation of the word client, going back to the etymology of it is someone who leans on another for protection. And that's huge. So if you think of that, we are protecting their assets. I'll say it like that, right? We're protecting their assets. 
protecting their life, protecting their home. Sales is a really important responsibility. So if you all have that mindset already, you should already be going in with confidence. The other thing is there is no scarcity except when we create it. I mean, there are, there's competition everywhere, but again, you only have to be like just a little better. I think Frank Becker, who wrote How I Raised Myself from Success to Failure in Sales, said, if you work this hard, it's an easy you know, career. If you work it easy, it's hard. And that's it. And we know it's really not hard once you get that momentum going, because if you do this process correctly, where you start to have some, you know, people who have appointments to call back, you start to one call close, you start to get referrals, you're doing the same amount of work, time and effort, and your income increases over time. I call it the sales snowball, because once you get that rolling and get all these processes in place, it's a great career, man. And I mean, you get paid to help people like that alone is a great driving force and kind of goes beyond the reward of the income, but the income doesn't suck. <laughs> so that's good too. <clears throat> Did that answer your question? I know probably was a little round, but you know, it's all good. Yeah, that's great. Um, so if, if you have a question for Rob, drop it in the chat, but we'll keep it, we'll keep going. I know uh, you and I, we really hit it off on our first podcast, you know, right at the, when the pandemic hit, you know, back in last March. Right. And, uh, I know we share a lot of the same core values as far as compassion before commission, impact over income. Uh, can you speak a little bit to that? Yeah, so it's interesting. One of the first things my father taught me, and he's, he was my sales mentor. He was my biggest fan. He Unfortunately, Jake knows he passed about a year and a half ago and <clears throat> still can't talk about it fully. But he said something that revolutionized my entire mindset in sales, and it's, if you worry about taking care of the customer, you never have to worry about money. And that has been 100% true. And, and there are many other people who have said things like Zig Ziglar said, um, the sure way to get what you want in life is to help other people get what they want. So it's not, it's not revolutionary, but it's, it's repeated through many of the most successful salespeople, the most you know, think, you know, thinking people, mind gurus and, and, and experts. Um, and that's it. Because listen, the clients are everything. And then for me, because I come from originally being an agent, the agents are then secondary because you guys handle all the clients. So for me, I think you all play the most important role because without you, there's no income coming in, right? Because clients pay all the bills, agents handle clients or customers, prospects. So for me, that's the mindset. <clears throat> so you are important, but they're more important. That's how I look at it. And I've, it's, it's crazy. I could tell you a great story where I help people, even if it's not in my interest, at least seemingly. And I'll give you, I'll give you a story. And I don't know if I might've told you this one, Jake, but um, before health insurance was guaranteed issue, you know, pre Obamacare, there were many States, not New York, New York was, has been guaranteed issue for years, but there are many states where you get declined. I'm sure most of you probably remember that. Like if you had a condition like cancer, if your height and weight didn't match up with the standards of what the BMI, you would be declined. And I had someone call me who was pregnant, <clears throat> about a month pregnant and was looking for insurance. So I sat talking through the whole thing. I'm like, you can't get health insurance because they won't give it to you. Um, but there is a medical discount plan, but it's not great. You know, I was, I was honest when I sold those things. A lot of people weren't. They made it, people think it was insurance, but I don't roll like that. Um, but then after about 30 minutes, I said, did you try to get, you know, Medicaid? And she said, I did. And, and they said, I make like 
too much. So we're talking a little bit and all of a sudden an idea hits me. And now I have two agents that are sitting in front of my desk that I'm training. And all of a sudden it dawned on me, I said, hey, why don't you tell your boss to pay you a little less so that you can get Medicaid? And she's like, oh my gosh, I didn't even think of that. Hangs up the phone. I hang up the phone. The two agents are like, dude, why did you waste so much time on someone you knew wasn't a sale? And I was like, you will never be successful in this job, <laughs> right? Secondly, I said, because my responsibility is to help people. I go, and it comes back to me some way, either directly or indirectly. I put that out. It's the law of reciprocity, man. I put it out. It comes back. I call it the boomerang. It's a beautiful thing. Now, here's the cool thing. She sent me five referrals. And when she had the baby, who did she call to get a policy? Me. Now, I didn't think that or expect it. But in, of course, looking back on it, it's like, wow. So that mentality works. Like I have told people, don't let anyone tell you to change your job plan at your job, right? Do not let anyone sell you a plan. You have, nobody can beat that. And that's the right thing to do. And then say, but hey, if you know anyone else, and go back to the referral process, <laughs> you know, if you know anyone else that could help out. I mean, that happens too. I mean, I had a guy, a guy call in from his companies losing their, like it was a small company, but they were losing their benefits. And I wound up writing five or six policies the same day. Everyone just got on the phone with me because it was like, hey, we got this guy who can get us insurance. That's very rare to get the referrals right then and there. Just to touch back on the referral thing. But yeah, so I'm glad I remember that one. There's so many stories in my head. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, awesome. I mean I'm, it's from 2002, man. So there's, there's cobwebs. <laughs> one, he's one of the pioneers of this space for sure. Uh, so, uh, yeah, well, so I never, I, I met one client in person because uh, he said, Rob, I love you, but you got to come out to the house. He was in Pennsylvania. I'm in New York city and figured it can't be that far. Four hour drive, <laughs> a farm. I got to milk cows like the old way and see, you know, meet everyone. And his, he bought a policy for him and his wife and a guy that worked for him. So eight hour round trip was well worth it because the commissions were wicked high, about 30 something percent on health insurance. It was crazy. So, yeah. But, you know, so things like that happen when, you know, you, you let people buy how they want to buy. That's another little side tip. You know, there was one lady said, hey, can you mail me out a policy? I was like, yeah. And I thought she was blowing me off. So I never mailed it. She called it back a week later. She goes, hey, I never got a policy. I'm like, oh my gosh, I thought you were totally just lying. I'm so sorry, I'll mail it out. Then I started mailing policies when people asked because they wanted to buy like that, but I didn't offer. I will never do that. I will always write the sale on the phone, but if they want to buy how they buy, I let them do that too. Yeah, well, now we have DocuSign, so that's super helpful. <laughs> hey, well, let me tell you, man, I got into a little legal battle with, I won't say which insurance company, but they were telling my agents that we, we can't submit you know, DocuSign, we were doing that 15 years ago. And oh, I said, yeah. yes, we can, because Congress signed it into law that it's legal. And we had to have this whole thing. And we kept doing it because it was it, whatever year the law was signed in, we started doing it. So that's when we had the little, little battle with an agent because insurance companies are archaic. They're behind the times, yeah, man. Yeah. You a little forward thinking, you'll crush it, man. It's all good. I mean, when I first started, there were carriers who didn't even have an online portal yet. You couldn't even put a, a you know, a policy online. It was wild. I remember Continental General flew me out to help them build their online portal. Me and like four other people from uh, other agencies across the country. It was wild. It was a really cool scene. Yeah. Definitely. And now we have Zoom instead of screen sharing because we all use screen sharing just to make it face to face. And now, I mean, you guys, let me tell you, it's easier than ever right now to, to sell. 100%. You don't have a storefront. 
you don't have to advertise, you know, you have lead sources. And, and, I, and I mean that with a skill set. It's still not always easy. It's a grind, man. Like there's a certain mindset to sales because you're smiling and dialing, hopefully smiling, right? Um, but it's definitely a grind, man. And I'm, I don't want to discount that. But if you're in this game, you're, you are a special kind of person because not everyone could do it. And if you got your first sale, you can get more. That's the reality. If you landed your first one, even if it was a friend or a neighbor, you can get more. Yeah. So uh, I know we're coming up on our time. Derek Miner has a question. How to handle that? Can I give you a callback objection without seeming inconsiderate of their time? If Derek, thanks, brother. I love the spelling of your name, by the way. Really, I, I like unique things. Uh, so can you if you mind, can you can you unmute and tell me more of the details of how and when that happens? Is it right in the beginning of the call or is it at the end when you try to close? Um, I think most times it'll be when I'm transitioning to do the application. Okay. It's typically when I'll get it. And it's, uh, for the most part, it's either they just arrived somewhere or someone's come to the house like, oh, uh, my grandchildren just got here. I'm going to have to give you a call back. So this is a challenging one because I don't actually, I haven't seen the script yet, Jake, unfortunately. I'm sorry. I probably should have asked for it. Um, because for me, sometimes there are deficiencies in, in the initial process. Like, I'll give you an example. I had an agent who could never, every time he got to the close, person never wanted to give their banking info. And then when I looked into why, when the question came up of like, even just to do, you know, application, I mean, he's in the application. And when the question of social security came up, the person would say, do I have to give it to you? And he goes, no, which also led them to believe they don't have to give you banking. So he was kind of creating the scenario of, oh, I don't have to give you sensitive information. And that led to him not being able to close any sales because they were like, no. So I would always be just like, yeah, what's the first three digits? And then they give it to you because it's kind of like, just don't act like it's a big deal. So I don't know if maybe that gives, it looks like you might've triggered a little insight there that'll help you. So how you're gathering a lot of the information and how you establish kind of the trust and expertise might go a long way. I kind I have an, a hard stop. I got to jump on a call at 10, but I want to dig into this further. So we should, you do these every morning. Yeah. Every morning. We Same should look, I, I got, we should do after Memorial day after that week, I'll jump on and do another one and we'll dig more into that Derek. And I am sorry because I want to ask you a few more questions on that. And you guys are awesome because questions are key. It means you want to learn and that's, that's the best way to get better. So yeah, man. I appreciate so, all you guys, man. Yeah. We'll, we'll let you yeah, jump. Thank you, Rock. We'll yeah, let you jump and I'll connect everybody on your uh, podcast. Make sure they subscribe yeah, yeah. and give you five star reviews. All thank right. You. Rush it, man. Sell like rock stars. I appreciate you guys. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, bro. Right, Thank you, Rob. Thank, Thank you for your time, man. All right. Cool. All what right, are you going to do now?